industry under pressure, innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. And we are back from the Thanksgiving holiday break. It wasn't really a break. We didn't really take a break. Uh, you might have heard some of the uh, some of our OGGN episode, uh, some of the shows. We did a general Happy Thanksgiving episode. Had kind of a of a of a fun. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't want to give it away because in case you haven't listened to it, um, it, it was it wasn't on this one. Let's see. We did it. I did. We, we released it for the. For the Digital Doers show, but so by the way, if you like, um, if you like this show, the Oil and Gas Tech Show, then you you ought to check out the the, the sister show, the uh, sister brother, it's companion, the companion show, which is the uh, Oil and Gas Digital Doers podcast, also hosted by yours truly. We launched that one earlier this year, kind of at the beginning. I guess it was the beginning of this year for um, for the purpose of kind of expanding. The tech discussion, the digital conversation, but but instead of like on this show where we really look at the technology itself, on digital doers we we talk more about how people in the industry are actually making progress on their digital initiatives. Because guess what, people are making progress on their digital initiatives, and we want to uh, we want to we want to draw more attention and also share some of those insights and. And uh, and wisdom and and what is it the cool kids see they say these days they say learnings these learnings I want to share these learnings with you all right anyway um, uh, so for Thanksgiving we did so so Mark and I Mark Lacour and I did a Thanksgiving episode and and uh, it's kind of fun so if you haven't heard it just catch in on one of the other shows it wasn't on, we we did it on Oil and Gas this week we put it out for Digital Doers and a couple of the others anyway. Um, on this show, however, last week for Thanksgiving, you may have uh, uh, you may have caught some of those uh, funny Thanksgiving stories uh, that I just found here and there. And so, hopefully, uh, all of you had a great. Now, this is you know this is for our for our American listeners mostly. Although we did we did learn that there are people who actually celebrate Thanksgiving in other part in other parts of the world most of the time on other dates usually around this time of year but um, usually on other dates uh, except for some actually celebrate the same week that we do and so if you were celebrating Thanksgiving last week and if it involved all of the usual things that we do here in the U.S. then hopefully you had a good one and hopefully uh, you don't have any you didn't have any turkeys flying out of car doors or. Or, or jello molds landing upside down on the dog bed. But if you did, if you did have something funny that happened last week as part of your Thanksgiving holiday, um, then, then send me send me an email. Tell me about it. And uh, you can send an email to michael at oggn.com. And, and maybe, uh, maybe next week, if, if I get a couple of good ones, then I will share them on the air as the, I guess we could call it the post-Thanksgiving debrief uh, and uh, find out if anybody had any any fun uh, or funny funny stories about what happened. Anyway, enough of that. What are we uh, What are we talking about today? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so 
about three years ago, right around this time, about three years ago, some people got together and announced, uh, well, actually, the announcement came a little bit later. This time, uh, back in 2018, right around this time of year, uh, there, was the, there was the formation of something called the Open Subsurface Data Universe Forum, uh, so the OSDU Forum. The reason why it's called a forum is because it's part, it's under the umbrella of something called the Open Group, and the Open Group is an organization that's been around for many, many years, decades, and, uh, and the projects within the Open Group are organized in forums. So that's all I'm going to say about that now. If you want to, you can go to the Open Group, or no, it's just Open Group, opengroup.org, and you can learn more about that whole structure. Um, and it's quite interesting. There's quite a lot of quite a lot of interesting things that have happened, mostly in the in- interest of standards and things like that. But the OSDU is a little bit different, and uh, it just so happens that uh, that I was involved at that time with a consulting team that was working uh, because well, the beginnings of this it started as an internal project at Shell, uh, being uh, being led here in Houston by one of the one of the internal groups at Shell. And thanks to the vision and, I guess, tenacity of a man named Johan Krebers, uh, who has actually been on the show, by the way. Uh, I guess it was just about a year ago that we had Johan on. And, uh, but, but at the time, well, what Johan did was he was able to drive this thing um, and, and, and get a bunch of other companies to participate. So that basically it went, it went from, in a very short time, it went from being the shell subsurface data universe to the open subsurface data universe as a forum, as a project uh, under the open group. And before you know it, um, I mean, I think the, uh, I think it was just a, just a few months, maybe three, four, five months before the official press release came out and already there was something like, there were close to 100 companies uh, that had signed up to participate in this thing in one way, shape, or form. I, the oil companies, service companies, tech companies. Um, and now, of course, uh, it's, it's three years later, and many, many more are involved. And it has really done, uh, it's done a great thing for the industry, not just in, the, in terms of the technology that is provided. And, and by the way, it's going beyond subsurface now into other, into other domains where the architecture is also useful in terms of a, of a, of a, of a standardized data platform. Um, um, but it's also, it has also done a nice thing for the industry in that it's brought a lot of collaboration among various companies in ways that maybe, maybe this industry hasn't been um, famous for <laughs> in the past for collaborating in these ways. Uh, but, it, but it reflects a new mentality and a new openness to share and improve how we do things, you know, across the industry. So today, in case you haven't guessed, we are going to talk about OSDU, um, but we're going to hear about it from um, from the viewpoint of a couple of other companies, uh, two other companies that have been uh, very strong leaders in this initiative since early on, and they are Schlumberger and IBM. And that does bring us to our guest today. We are not at the fabulous Canon on the west side of Houston today because we are in completely different places, completely different time zones, but that's okay. We're still going to have a great conversation. And so let me introduce Atrigva Randon and Manish Chavla. Gentlemen, thanks for making time today. Michael, good, good to be here. 
Yeah, Michael, a real pleasure. Thanks. All right, so let's start with a little bit about who you are and uh, where, where you're working and what you do. And uh, Manish, let's start with you. I understand that you are the global GM for, uh, I guess, the industrial sector uh, there at IBM. Yeah, so, uh, so that's exactly right. So uh, that's what the title is for sure. Uh, the focus really for my, my team and I is, is driving and partnering with the industries that that primarily, of course, are energy resources manufacturing. Uh, from a technology perspective, from a transformation perspective, and partnering with them as clients, partnering with them also as ecosystem partners. So one of the core dimensions uh, that we've been driving is, is how do we partner with, with leading industry technology players, which, of course, here, that's why Trigbe and I have have been partners in crime for some time uh, on making each other's solutions better and, of course, uh, driving outcomes for the energy industry in this context. And the outcomes are several. I have a global team, uh, global strategic accounts and global strategic partners uh, that we focus on. All right. Thanks for that. And Trigva, I believe I, uh, I saw that you've been with Schlumberger for quite a while. I think I think I saw twenty six years. Uh, so undoubtedly, you've done a number of different things there. Uh, so tell us a little a little bit about that, and uh, and what are you doing now? Yeah, no, that's correct. I've been twenty six years with the company. I started in research uh, and um, went into the software business uh, about fifteen years, fifteen sixteen years ago. Uh, at the moment, I'm running as um, running the uh, digital subsurface solutions uh, business. That means basically all the uh, software solutions and digital solutions and uh, technology and services for uh, Slumbershare covering the subsurface, uh, that domain workflows and geology and petrophysics and geophysics and reservoir engineering and so on, as well as the data management um, aspects covering the, the subsurface. All right, great, thanks. And also... Um Maybe, maybe you could comment on uh, this partnership. Uh, you're partnering with IBM on, on this effort. What are, uh, what are the goals and objectives there? Now, so teaming up with IBM, oil and gas is, um, is not always extracted in places where uh, the idea of a sort of Western-inspired pub, so-called public cloud is, is widely accepted. Uh, for various and, and good reasons, uh, many countries and companies have uh, data residency requirements that need to be uh, addressed. So even while OSU started out as a cloud uh, data platform, we, we need to make sure that we can reach into uh, our customers where they are and with what they, whatever uh, requirements they have for data residency and, and data sovereignty and so on and so forth. And, and herein was the uh, offer coming in, if you like, to work with uh, IBM. Uh, after IBM's acquisition of Red Hat, we, uh, they have the OpenShift platform, that uh, hybrid cloud platform that, that allows um, deployment of a standard solution to, on the multiple uh, cloud backends. And that's exactly the attraction that we chose to go to towards IBM and have a joint up product for reaching this significant part of the oil and gas industry. Right. Right, good, thanks. And that's actually a good uh, segue into uh, the next part, which I guess is really the main point for today, which is that OSDU was always designed as a cloud-based system or a cloud-architected system. And uh, But as, as 
architects are fond of saying, cloud is not necessarily a place. Um, it's an architecture or it's an operating model. And so you can do cloud computing in places other than the cloud. And so, Manish, maybe this is a good point for you to chime in, which is, you know, what does that look like for companies who want to take advantage of OSDU, but they are constrained in terms of uh, and it, it, the, the location and the deployment and operating of uh, something like this in those cases is not, um, is, is different. So what does that look like for them? Yeah, and I think uh, maybe I'll, I'll take a, a small digression, right? I think the, the notion of cloud for, for the first sort of generation of cloud was really focused on public cloud. And then uh, IBM, as part of its acquisition of uh, Red Hat, right? And that was not a, a small bet. It was a $34 billion bet that, that essentially changed the, changed the, the frame and the focus of the company is we placed a bet on the notion of hybrid cloud, right? And hybrid cloud, what is the notion of actually open hybrid cloud is that, that there are several, there are constraints like, uh, Trigger was talking about in the case of, uh, regulatory environments or security, et cetera, and we'll, we can speak more about that. Or there might be certain workloads that just make sense to to run on-premise, right? So the mixture of different, let's say, infrastructures, and public cloud is an infrastructure, uh, for example, right? And uh, on-premise, and for that matter, an in-country cloud, right? Not having to be uh, stuck on one cloud is, is one factor uh, as well, so therefore avoiding vendor lock-in. Uh, the other aspect is, is dealing with regulatory environments or security, or for that matter, what will come soon enough, uh, even for OSDU, is the notion of edge, right? As as the scope uh, scope different, you know, is expected to to go beyond subsurface into production, capturing edge data as well. So providing a uniform layer that allows uh, applications to be built, in this case, of course, OSDU, and deployed into any kind of infrastructure, that really is, is, the, uh, is the value or promise of, of hybrid cloud. So as we engaged with, with OSDU, that was essentially our notion, hey, how do we come in and add value of course, where we saw the market heading and uh, to address the needs as well as, of course, uh, create differentiation. So where, uh, you know, uh, a lot of the companies are at, uh, if, if you consider, I'll call it the going, you know, if you were sort of thinking of it as the hype curve, right, as well. First was, I would say, several public cloud based pilots right or or perhaps you know trigger can articulate maybe it's a it's it's a handful the big companies have all tried a pilot uh the big western or international oil companies and now as the nocs or companies that that uh operate in environments that have data residency requirements right from a regulatory perspective around these kinds of let's say national treasure kinds of data or security issues are saying, okay, what's the, what's, what's the solve for, for us? And the cloud market in any case is fragmenting, right? Gradually fragmenting. You're seeing even Europe start to consider, uh, certain amounts of data that, that can only be not in a, in a, pub, in a public cloud, but in a 
market contained public cloud. So that layer across is, is what we are addressing. And what we're seeing now is companies ex- testing out different modes of, of deployment of the OSDU platform, right? Which includes on-premise in some cases, but in several cases, they'll also actively consider in-country clouds. And that's where, you know, the, the, the two companies uh, working together, IBM and Schlumberger and, and Red Hat as part of, part of IBM, are able to deliver a solution that can live anywhere, that can operate anywhere, right? So we make cloud as an architecture to quote, to quote what you said, as opposed to a, this is an inflexible, this is exactly where it lives and you can't have it anywhere else. Right. Right. Okay, great. Thanks for summing that up. I want to talk a little bit more about the regulatory aspect because I think a lot of people are familiar with the uh, the whole notion that uh, the NOCs, the national oil companies, have a lot of constraints and, and uh, restrictions about data and where it can live, and particularly in the Middle East and, and some other places in the world. Um, but I think, you know, wherever you go, uh, there are regulatory considerations even for western oil companies or or you know other other types of scenarios where there where there are still uh, there's still a lot of regulation that impacts what you do with your data and and where you keep it isn't that right oh that, that's entirely correct correct michael i mean there are western companies who have requirements for in country uh, data residency and and as well i mean if you if you look holistically at it, and the TikTok uh, case from uh, maybe half a year ago or whatever, where it made it very clear that also Western countries have data residency uh, considerations that, that are being made. So uh, I think the, the data residency is, is a topic which is very uh, significant for everyone and uh, every country, every operator. And, and they want to make sure that uh, they maintain the sovereignty and nobody can come and cut them off uh, from their data, which is a perfectly uh, reasonable expectation, right? So um, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's driving it. And, and it's a good, good requirement. It's complicating for us on the tech side because it would be easier if it didn't exist, but it makes all the sense in the world. For sure. Yeah. And it's not um, – and it's not – it's not any. I mean, it's it's focused on particular types of data. So OSDU is kind of right smack in the middle of where where the most concern is. If, exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so okay. So it's interesting because uh, now we now we come to all right. We all believe in OSDU. We all want it. We understand. Uh, you know, everybody's done a great job of evangelizing the benefits and we see the value. However, so that brings the question, uh, Manish, if I'm listening to that and I'm, a and I'm the person at a company who's, uh, tasked with kind of figuring this out, how do I get there from where I am? Because that sounds, uh, like, like a pretty big undertaking. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, so that's where, you know, the, the, joint solution product from Schlumberger and IBM really is the accelerator uh, to address this particular data platform point. What I do want to also make a note of is this is not just about, you know, on-prem, right, or a data center locally. This is also about in-country clouds, right? We're seeing that in Russia or China or, you know, the Middle East, right? The evolution is occurring to to locally relevant clouds, right, or regionally relevant clouds. So, so that's the layer, right, that, that we are addressing. So it could be on-prem, but it also very much uh, could be 
uh, in in-country cloud. In-country clouds, and the in-country clouds are being uh, are 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 being done by people who so in the country cl- cloud providers that are limited within that country, right? So it's, or are it's, it's, originating from that country, but uh, then you know you have uh, a cloud that has originated in Russia that is now opening a data center or a cloud region in Germany, right? So they're originating from a corner of the world and starting to become regional. And then, you know, we'll see if they compete uh, globally, right? So you take an Alibaba, right? That's the example of a scale scale cloud that originated from China, but it, it becomes the primary cloud in China. Right. Okay, so you guys are saying, all right, it doesn't matter where, like the, where it is, in the in 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 space and time <laughs> isn't important uh as long as it's as long as it's uh it's and you've got the ability uh with open shifts to bring the same sort of underlying uh platform to wherever it needs to be and then you've got this thing uh uh, uh trigger you've got this this product uh, that you guys have worked on together called Enterprise Data Management System. What, what we see with OSU is a fantastic, uh, the way I normally describe it, is a data bus uh, taking shape. It's a data bus between different uh, vendors, applications, different types of workflows, different domains, so on and so forth. And it's one data bus that hopefully will serve the entire industry. But that doesn't make it a solution for a company, for an enterprise. You You really need to have the connectors that connected into the applications on the, the, the facilitate the connections and, and, and normally they, those applications that application landscape will be uh, composed of solutions that weren't built from the ground up on OSDU if you like um, uh, for our own part that's applications like Petrel and Techlog and Intersect um, and you also need to be able to to manage it you have uh, uh, managing projects, managing users, manage uh, manage the the quality of the data, duplicates, uh, cleaning up, all of these solutions that we have been doing for decades in our industry, and we have been involved in, in it with um, with uh, solutions like ProSource for the corporate data management and Studio for the project data management over the last few years, and 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 before that Finder and GeoFrame and so on and so forth. So. Uh, these the workflows that we know that our customers will need to be uh, undertaking or at least have experience with our customers uh, needing to be to be able to run uh, they still remain they they didn't go away because uh, someone came up with a, with a four letter acronym called uh, OSDU and and decided to stick it on a cloud whether it's a public cloud or a hybrid cloud still doesn't doesn't go away and, and we see this as uh, we, we anticipate that the market is going to be collaborating around an open source uh, environment, but it's going to need a professional environment to be to be managing it. So basically consuming back the open source, which has all this uh, open uh, intercompany collaboration, but but also then having professional services that, that put it together as, a, as an operat- operatable solution and professional solutions on top of that. that then allow them to manage the complexity. Because every operator I speak to, they, they all talk about the same challenge, uh, the, the same challenge they have in, in data quality. I, I still think I haven't met any single company that says we have really solved this data quality issue. And that is despite all the solutions that we have. So clearly we need to be making sure we have the, the same quality of solutions that the industry has been used to in, in uh, 
in the past generations of data management uh, workflows. But uh, we also aim to be shooting higher, if you like. So take out extensive manual tasks by more AI-driven um, uh, curation of the content and so on and so forth. And and we see this as an opportunity that I think Slumberger has uh, good experience in providing solutions to the industry and, and has uh, uh, ha- and we see a place for us to be playing there as a competitive operator on top of competitive player on top of uh, of the industry open source standard. Yeah, I think that's the, uh, in that sense, Michael and Trigger, if we sort of reflect back to all the failed attempts or the uh, half attempts, so to speak, you know, before this, Compared to that, always do you, you know, the, the level of support it has from the industry, from technology companies. And for that matter, I would argue there are very few other industries that have this kind of a global uh, initiative to address this notion of data silos, to at least create a common uniform layer of, of data integration, because that is the foundation that differentiated value, you know, and of course, Schlumberger plays a key role, but the other players are in there as well. Uh, And they have to, a lot of them have to move to be compatible with the OSDU APIs, right? So that they can, can be future, you know, future relevant as well as the industry shifts to adopt uh, what is actually a very exciting move compared to any other industry, right? Uh, That has not done this kind of a level of collaboration of, of data, data interoperability, and that uh, that is very uh, very uh, impressive, actually. Yeah. So 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 talk about that for a second. Why why is it exciting? I mean, apart from the fact that technical people love to see cool technical stuff, <laughs> uh, why um, what makes this exciting for this industry? I think da- data is the lifeblood of uh, for making any decisions, right? And then. So, so that's step one. Step two, of course, is the fact that previously, you know, data lived in silos, right? Every application would have different standards. Every workflow, the steps in the workflow would be limited by the fact that there is no common data platform. So once you start to address uh, the uniformity on how data is stored, data how data is accessed, what is a semantic model, right, around it? Uh, then you can you can change the way people work, which is essentially the notion of intelligent workflows, right? Which is what what Trigway was talking about that they enable. So whether you and that allows then the interoperability as well across application. If someone has made one choice for one application or one part of the workflow, of course, you know I'd love for Schlumberger uh, to to have its entire Delphi platform. Delphi platform across uh, that that helps helps me as well, but you know different companies have taken different choices, and then this this hybrid concept of going across different uh, you know NOCs, joint ventures, and so on, so it creates a collaboration and efficiency, and collaboration leads to efficiency and safety and effectiveness, and all of that then in my mind also frees up resources to then be able to invest in the energy transition as, as somewhat of a contribution, right? If you can do today's business far more efficiently and effectively and sustainably, you can then uh, free up you know, resources to, uh, to invest in the future as well. So I think if you, if you look at that as you zoom out, I think it's, it's exciting. 
because all of these companies have been obviously competitors for for so long and that collaboration takes a lot of energy which is what you know Shambhaje, the operators technology companies like ourselves are really putting into to transform the nature of the industry yeah yeah no that's good um it's funny, yeah. you know, we, uh, we, uh, we joke a lot, or, or I do anyway, about how every single time you have any conversation, er, anytime we do a podcast episode or a panel discussion about anything to do uh, with technology and oil and gas, we are always going to talk about three things, no matter what. There's three things we'll, we'll always talk about data, we will always talk about silos and, you know, operational mm-hmm. silos, and we will always talk about culture. And you just did all three in, in your, in that <laughs> you talked about, you talked about the, the data, right. With the side and, and changing the way people work. And that, and those are the things that, um, I think we're making progress, you know, like across the industry, I think we're making progress on, on knocking down those obstacles, uh, as we, as we work through all these things. But, but, uh, that's my perspective. I don't, uh, Trigger, you had something to, to throw in. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, I, I agree. We are, we are making uh, huge progress. Uh, and, and I agree with you. My observation as well. Well, is that uh, what we're doing is across industries is quite unique. Um, they, there isn't many, if, if any other uh, industry where we have a quite where where there's a quite similar um, collaboration. At least not to my knowledge. Probably something I don't know. But anyway, um, and and the the other thing as well is if you look. So what what is the reason we have so many silos in our uh, in our industry in the uh, upstream industry, oil and gas industry? Uh, but one of the reasons is technical challenges we're dealing with. We're dealing with uh, uh, reservoirs that we have been extracting um, fluid from, which has been captured in, in tiny, tiny pores, uh, thousands of meters or tens of thousands of feet or whatever below the, uh, below the surface, uh, and, and sometimes at, at ext- extreme water depths. Um, before you even uh, reach the, the starting point of that journey down to where these these reserves are, we we keep drilling them, uh, we keep extracting them uh, over tens of years uh, per per field, very complex um, uh, equipment that is in play in the, in the field and so on. And to solve these technical challenges, uh, a lot of brains have been uh, thrown at it. A lot of uh, special, very specialized solutions have been coming up. And each of them have been solving their own data challenge, kind of, uh, if you like. So, so that is the, the immense technical challenges that the oil and gas industry has been addressing for for decades has has been causing the silos to be happening, and of course, competitive uh, situations and so on and so forth. So, the silos issue is certainly a big one, and that's one of the ones we're addressing. And I'd like to also tack on the. Um, on the energy transition, a lot of the industry today, as, as you were highlighting before, is focused on cash generation so that can be funding the next uh, chapter in, in the energy landscape, whatever that exactly looks like, wind, solar, uh, anything. Um, and time is no perfect, really, for collaboration of this because we cannot afford on these concepts these constraints, we cannot afford anymore the, the luxury or the waste that we have had of each vendor having their own solution or, or customers having to go through hoops. One customer I spoke to having somewhere between 30 and 50 databases that they have wired up talking together to be forming the information backend of the company. 30 to 50 databases, each of them probably having their own view of what a well looks like. Exactly the same well represented 30 to 50 times um, in the company. You can imagine the difficulty in keeping that up to date and keeping that quality uh, to, the, to the maximum level that it needs to be. So 
time is perfect for it for this initiative i would say from that perspective so very exciting and and very exciting from a business point of view of course the technology is always exciting but very this is interesting from the from the business point of view and that's the angle i'm taking yeah, no, that's that's really good, and I'm I'm glad you brought up the thing about the uh, the complexity. One question that always comes up is that where that I hear people say is, "Why didn't we do all this before? Like, how come it took us this long to do this?" So maybe can you just comment on what you know from from the IBM view? What is it that you're able to do now, and what that you guys are able to kind of bring to the party that that maybe you know wasn't possible before? Great question. I think the the notion apart from the business issues that you know trigger was talking about and i was talking about i think that the technology is now available to be able to to uh, to put this data anywhere whether it's public cloud or on-prem and be able to have that compute capability right to be able to process it previously the constraint was always you know uh, essentially the data had to live uh, locally in one's data center only. So I think that's that's the first thing. Technology is available. There is also, secondly, an openness for the notions of cloud compute, right? So whether they're hybrid cloud, in-country cloud, Western public clouds, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't matter. So the openness of, of that is definitely available. And what you what you then have is, you know, companies, whether they start to adopt cloud computing for their I'll call them back office workloads first, and then they start to go into, we'll call this front office for simplicity, right? The core business. And that's really where where things have, have moved, which is computers available, cloud compute, the notions are, are far more available. And that's really what led us to this path as well, which is, which is of course, the acquisition of Red Hat made all of these possible for us to be a value player right in, in helping this transform i have to i have to say it takes something like cloud computing with the with the power and the scalability and all the things that cloud is in order to accomplish some of these objectives and and then and then and then you have to be able to do those things in different places based on the yeah. constraints of the business and you know, throw in a, a, a second quick point here red hat is is you know positioned around this notion of open source right yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, which, which is, yeah, which a few years ago you would have got nowhere with, correct, right? Correct. So the <laughs> so, enterprise uh, acceptance for, first, and then this becoming a preferred model, right? So of course, OSDU has a notion of common and open, and then has a has a notion of differentiated on top. But that open companies being receptive to that is relatively, you know, sort of the time has come now, right? In some sense, cloud hybrid, open, the energy transition, right? Uh, recognition of that, a few a few energetic, passionate people, right? Enterprise scale companies like Schumbert and Mick saying, we'll, we'll see the, 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 the tech as well, us putting, you know, the wood behind the arrow here. So I think it, it's sort of a catalyst is many. Who says we don't change? People say we don't change. Come on. I think that's going to wrap us up for today, guys. I really appreciate uh, appreciate you making time. Fantastic, Michael. And there's so many other topics we can be discussing as well. So excellent. Happy anytime. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. All right. Thanks, guys. 
that is going to do it for today, folks. Thanks, as always, for listening. And if you like this one, then, uh, like I said before, check out uh, Oil & Gas Digital Doers. And if you like that one, then you should go find out about all the other OGGM podcasts that we have. Oil & Gas Global Network is the largest and most listened to podcast network for the oil and energy industry. So chances are we have... Uh, more than one or two that you might that you might enjoy so you can um you can see them all on oggn.com and uh learn about them and who the hosts are and what the topics are and things like that and then from there you can link out to your favorite podcast platform uh you can also skip all that if you're an apple podcast listener you can go right to the um to the, there's an oggn channel on apple podcasts and then you can see them all there now if you're a spotify person uh we we love you too uh spotify is great but i don't think they have channels yet, or at least we don't have one. So uh, in that case, you're better off going back to the website. But check out all the rest of what we got going on. And uh, and, and we also have a lot of other things coming along at various times. Uh, some things happening in Houston, if you're here in town, some things uh, happening in other places. So the best way to learn about all that is to follow us on LinkedIn, because we, uh, we try to make sure that we keep that uh, constantly up to date with all the latest goings on. So uh, if you're not already following us on LinkedIn, then you should be following us on LinkedIn. Thanks, as always, to our audio team, uh, Mr. Emin Fikic over in the faraway land of Bosnia and right here in H-Town, Mr. Mac Roman. They make us always sound fantastic. And thank you to the whole OGGN team. We are headed, we're, we're coming, we're getting close to the end of another year here, folks, of, uh, of exciting things, lots of growth, um, you know, everything happening with OGGN. And next year we got uh, even more amazing stuff planned so stay tuned and in the meantime if you hear anybody talking about how the oil and gas industry is behind the times slow to change and we don't really we don't really innovate and we're not we don't really embrace the new technology then that is when you need to take that person by the hand and very nicely explain to them well okay maybe not the by the hand thing you could leave that part out but explain to them how we were tech before tech was cool Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.